is the planet's ultimate game. There may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses. What can happen today, we wonder. Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into this episode of Dissecting the Pitch here on BlazeRadioOnline.com, as well as our podcast platforms on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Gareth Kwok, and I'm alongside my co-hosts here, Edwin Perez and Miller McKinney. Gentlemen, another busy week in soccer, another busy week in footy, but of course, got to ask you both, how are you both doing today? I mean, I think the headlines for me is something that happened off the pitch inside of the group, but I'm not going to re- reveal too much as we'll do its its own segment, its own duty later on, uh, later on, you know, to start off the show, actually. So, but it, it was good footy, as you mentioned. It was good to see Tuchel within 20, 24 hours managed to get a draw against Wolverhampton. So tough scenes, but we, we love to see it. But uh, how are you doing, Miller? It's been an interesting week for you, bud. Yeah. Um, well, everywhere I go, my head is cold. Um, for the listeners, I, sh- I shaved my head, um, I guess willingly, you could say, over this past week. Probably one of the worst decisions of my entire life. We'll never be doing this again. Um, so that's what's new to me. But other than that, some good soccer this week, and I'm excited to get into it. So. Miller, we we get you. We gotta we gotta ask you the, sort of the obvious questions, of course. The elephant in the room. Before we get into our usual big storylines, big games that we talk about. I know that you've probably answered a lot of questions, but for the listeners out there, you know, you you, you said it was the worst decision that you've you might have made. So, um, what 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 went into this decision right here to shave your head? Well, you know, just a bad a bad haircut can hurt you in so many ways. You know, confidence. Um, just, just everything. It just, you know, it just, it brings you down and we, we got a bad haircut to start a year off and it grew out weird. Tried to fix it. Didn't work. Tried to fix that also didn't work. So at the end of the day, we were getting pretty close down to the skull and he just said, all right, it's time. Just, just had to take it all off fresh start. So new year, new me. But uh, I, I guess that's all I've got. Well, yeah, Miller, you know, I, I think I have two questions about the haircut, at least personally. So Gareth uh, did a great effort to put some of the worst haircuts in soccer, at least shaved heads in the world. And, you know, there's there's a Neymar, there's the Mourinho ball, there's the Ronaldo short haircut. So for our viewers, can you tell us which which of these haircuts would you compare compare yourself so that those at home can kind of see what your hair's looking like? Um, I'd say probably if I, if I had to choose one, I would say probably Ronaldo shaved head. It's a little bit more recent. I don't look anywhere near as good as he does. He's had a lot more done than I have as well. But, um, I, I think that, you know, there, it, a shaved head is a shaved head at the end of the day. I'm, I'm, I think 
the other one that I'd probably say is pretty close when Griezmann shaved his head. It just, it, you know, you go from having this full head of hair your whole life to not having any at all. And it just, it's polar opposites. It's like, you know, you, you, you live in one part of the world and then you, you move to a third world country and here we are. Miller has, um, has, has the family uh, learned about your, your new hairdo? Um, have they, have they learned about it? And if they have, what's their reaction to it? Oh, absolutely. They were the first people I told, unfortunately. I figured mom had to know at first. Uh, I just didn't want people to think that I was walking around regular old me when I had a shaved head, so I, I had to get it out there. Um, but the reaction was, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be you know, just one of those life-changing things where my mom's like, oh, is this just a phase or like one of those things? But that wasn't the case. Um, I've gotten a lot of people that have told me it doesn't look that bad. That's the best compliment I've gotten. Um, so we get a lot of those. We get a lot of um, it'll grow back. And then, you know, the response to that is I hope so. I really do. Um but, you know, it's just tough. You know, everybody's trying to be supportive in this time. Uh, I live with two people right now that like to make a lot of fun of me for it. So that's been pretty tough getting through that adversity. But other than that, we're here. Um, my final question about this and might be the final question about your hair, just so we don't kind of stack it on you, because it seems like you had a tough week when it comes to response of the haircut. But uh uh, you did, uh, I think it was on Snapchat, you posted a story about, you know, eating some wings after and saying that was the best part of your day. So was, uh, was eating those wings make uh, uh, worth the haircut that you got? Absolutely not, Edwin. Um, I would have to say that nothing has been worth it so far. I think that each day that I've had since I've shaved my head has been incrementally worse than how my life was when I had hair. Um, but those wings were fire, I have to say. For those people that live in the Arizona area, long wongs wings hit diff. Hit diff as as the kids would say. But yeah, they're they're insane. So that that's that's the biggest bright spot we've had so far. And it's and it's funny you say that because Edwin and I have uh, long wongs on our bucket list for for quite some time. So you know we we might have to get uh, we might have to do a DTP run to long wongs very soon. We've we've had a lot of uh we've named we've had a lot of other uh, wing places out there. Uh, we're not going to name names here, but um you know they've been pretty good. But we, we might need to switch it up here. So I, I think maybe a, a DTP long wongs uh, run here is that in the cards, gentlemen? I'm down. I I 100% agree with that. Uh, we always drive by it, and if Miller says they're that good, I love me some barbecue wings, and it looked like there was some barbecue there, so I'm all for it. Absolutely, there was. Got a whole bucket of 72 wings from Long Wongs. Got 72 <laughs> Long Wongs. Um, 72? Pay, oh, my God. You, absolutely, yeah. Some for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um <laughs> But yeah, long wongs will definitely have to be a stop that we make. I would definitely go again soon. It would make me forget about the baldness. So whenever you guys are trying to go, but. Oh my 72. I'm, I'm impressed. I must say I'm very impressed. 72 wings um, amongst the three, amongst split up the three of you gentlemen. Um, that is quite the, the accomplishment there.
Um, I, I'm not sure if us three can all eat 72. Um, honestly, I think we might go 96. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're not, we're, we're not going to 96, but you know what? Let's, let's move on into some footy here. That was a little great intro we had to, to, to catch up our listeners up to speed. And, uh, we're going to get into some immediate reaction here. Uh, let's get into the, the gist of it because there were some games that happened, uh, on the, on this, on Wednesday, and um, we're going to start here with Miller's boys, Manchester United versus Sheffield United. And, uh, you know, it was, as a matter of fact, the worst team in the league beating one of the best teams in the Premier League, two to one, Sheffield with the win. The go-ahead goal off of, uh, if I'm saying his name correctly, Tuan Zebe is the, the center back that went, it, it was a, another, a deflection there that led to the, the go-ahead goal for Sheffield United. So, it seemed like it was a big opportunity for Manchester United to go at the top of the table, but instead they fall to the worst team in the league. I got to ask our United expert here, Miller McKinney. You, you said you watched a little bit of the game. So what, what did you make of it, man? Uh, it, it was a tough one. And this is a game that, you know, um, when you look at title contenders, this, this is what the premier league is all about really and truly at the end of the day. And this is how the premier league is different from other leagues. Um, it, it, every game is a tough game. No game is given for sure. United really looks like they didn't want it that badly, uh, in the first half, even in the second half, I think it took them a little while to get rolling. So I, I think that morale and kind of fatigue has been setting in to United because they're a team that don't really have a whole lot of depth. Well, let me take that back. They have depth, but the manager doesn't want to use the depth. Van de Beek doesn't play. Cavani plays limited minutes. But, you know, the two real goal scorers and Fernandez and Rashford play every single game all the time, no matter what competition. So I think that he needs to delegate the timeshare a little bit better to prevent games like this from happening in the future. But overall, the game just wasn't a good game. I, I don't think that either team really kind of deserved to win that game because – United kind of held on to the ball the whole game. They didn't really take a whole lot of shots, but Sheffield, you know, they they did what they could and they got the result that they needed. Um, and they're kind of picking up form right now. So, I, I mean, this might be a start of a run for Sheffield that we see in the Premier League, especially after they had a successful round in the FA Cup as well. So uh, it was a tough game and one that you hate to swallow, but at the end of the day, what can you do about it? Yeah, <clears throat> when you live off just the paper and you look at the table and things like that, you're going to be very disappointed. But when you look at the context, like Miller said, it's a Premier League. Any game's not given, even against 18th, even 17th. Even when you're in the FA Cup, let's say forefront, and you're facing a third division team and you're a Premier League team. Those are the games that typically get you because they're the trap games that maybe on your worst day, you know, there's not true motivation, like Miller said it seemed like there was no push, then those players are not going to play their heart and they're not going to have their best game. And it was, it was that type of game that Miller explained there where it, it, it truly deserved to be a draw. I'm not saying one decided to deserve to win. I think if one, uh, they each got one point, I think all of us would have been said it was fair. Like Miller could have been happier uh, as well, but uh, it ended up being a loss. And it's, I think it's a reality check for, for Man United, and I think it's what Sheffield United needs to do to go on a run, like Miller says. I mean, this team, you know, ended so well last year and weren't even close to relegation zone, and now they're fighting for their lives. So 
And they, it, it's not like they lost immense talent. So it's just crazy to see Sheffield, but it was an important result for them. So it was a good win and it was tough on Man United. But again, you got to be wary when you're when you're in the Premier League because anyone can beat anyone. It was uh, it was definitely an important game because United now, you know, with, with the, now that City has the game at hand here with the 19 matches played, United with now 20. So it was a chance for them to, to go up on top, but they didn't get the points. And so City now, they got the extra game and they could extend their lead with a win or a draw. Um, so they United's got to hope that City... Um, that they fall into, so let's see, they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing Sheffield United, as a matter of fact, on Saturday. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Sheffield United, though, as Miller said, they're riding in a little bit with some form, two wins out of their last three. So um, that th those are Sheffield United. Could this be the push that they have been waiting so long? So they've been over half the season. But, um, you know, let's move on to another game that happened on Wednesday, and it was rounds of 16, Barcelona taking on Rayo Vallecano, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, in the Copa del Rey. And it was Barcelona that, again, they, they made things interesting here. 2-1 victory. They were down after the 63rd minute from a goal by Frank Garcia, but then Messi in the 69th minute equalized and then Frankie de Jong with the go-ahead goal in the 80th so let's go to Mr. Perez here our Barcelona expert and uh two to one I mean again not 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 the prettiest having to score late but uh they got the job done and uh what, what do you make of it I'm surprised you didn't call me by my formal title uh Barcelona uh, FC Barcelona uh master expert as you can see I, I put but uh like I think for Barcelona this was huge because uh, Rayo Val uh, um, Valicano uh, went in the early lead 1-0, and it seemed like it, it was going to be another ugly Barcelona loss. Nothing was going to be made of it. And, it was, like, Barcelona realistically should have been out if we looked at it for, in the first 60 minutes. But then when the last 30, Messi scored. He did his thing, and, you know, he saved Barcelona. And then Frankie de Jong, who had a monster game, truly deserves all the credit. I think he won the man of the match of the game. In fact, carried that team, carried that midfield, and showed the star that Barcelona was, was hoping for my ex. So you take away those positives. Arujo kind of played well. It was kind of a different team. Ricky Puj and Trincao played. And those type of players need to develop. So, I mean, you get the win. You escaped when you, you probably played the worst of, of the sides, at least for the first 60. You move on in, in a competition that Real Madrid got dropped, dropped by a third division team. So you, you take all, all of that and you almost lost to a second division team. You just got to take you got to take the positive because, I mean, the Real Madrid fans are going all over the, the Barcacista saying, uh, wow, Messi didn't even score the game winning goal. But people forgot he got the tying one and everything. So they're going to come at you. They're going to have criticism and everything. But you got to take. Last 30 minutes, you played the better side. First 30, 60, you didn't deserve the result. So to even get a result and win and move on, I think is huge. So a big win for Barcelona. Again, not saying that they're amazing now. They're going to go on a run. That's definitely not true, but at least they pulled it out. Yeah, and this is a, a competition. As you said, Real Madrid is out. Atletico Madrid is also out in this uh, competition as well. So, um, I mean, just how, how critical is it for Barcelona that they really are the favorites and, uh, and, and they, they really should be getting this trophy at the end all be all. I think it's huge because um, kind of, as you mentioned, those two are out. 
And I think it's big for those teams who are supposed to be the ones who at least make the final that Barcelona make it. Obviously, I'm not saying Real Madrid and Atletico are rooting for them. They're doing quite the opposite to get dropped by a bad team. But if we, they have Barcelona make it and win it, I think it's good for La Liga and the Spanish who are trying to look like giants. You have Atletico doing well. It's good when everyone's doing well. So Barcelona has to carry that load in this competition. And so I think it's it's the one trophy that they got to push for because, yes, La Liga is still up for it. I just don't think it's realistic for Champions League with other teams. So these kind of competitions where Puch can play Arujo, Trincao, you can go down the whole list. Iliax Moribo, who it just got um, pushed up to the main team. So all those players should be playing in these type of matches, and hopefully they can get results. And if need be, you can put Messi, Frankie de Jong in the second half to kind of do what they did today. So it's a huge competition, as you said. But also, I think the most important thing is the development of those players and carrying that big Spanish name. It's going to be, uh, I mean, I think it sort of time will tell those guys that, that develop and can they become what many are trying, are hoping to sort of succeed, maybe an older generation and, and become some key parts on that team. That would be sort of the ideal scenario for Barcelona. But um, we're going to transition it back to the Premier League. We're going to go now to Chelsea versus Wolverhampton. It was a nil-nil draw. An underwhelming debut for new manager Thomas Tuchel and the for Chelsea, um, and this was a, a, a Chelsea a Chelsea squad that really controlled a lot of the possession for the game, but they couldn't score and they just could not secure the three points. And we're going to be talking about uh, Tuchel and the uh, in just a couple of minutes here. But Miller, you know, just what what did you think? Uh, just sort of you know at the surface of this debut here from uh from Chelsea with Thomas Tuchel at the at the helm I think the the word that I'd have to use for it is definitely uninspiring um looking at the lineup especially before the game even started I think that obviously Tuchel picked some of the older more experienced players that had been in the club longer um in the back especially no Reese James in the lineup um I'm trying to think as Filiqueta started in that spot, um, no Mason Mount, no Timo Werner. Um, there was, there was a lot of questionable, I think pieces that he put it into place that got the same kind of Chelsea result that we've been seeing over this season. So I think that it was kind of disappointing in that fashion where, you know, everybody's kind of hoping that new manager, even on a, such a short turnaround, we'll be able to, you know, bring some new energy, bring some new life, a different look. And that just wasn't the case today. It was the same old Chelsea that they've had this entire season. And, you know, obviously struggling to score and, you know, not playing fast, developing, but, you know, never getting the finished product. So I think that, you know, as we talk about more about Tuchel's impact at Chelsea, I think that it'll be interesting to see if it's the player's fault or if it really and truly is the need for a better manager. I think it's going to be the combination of both, if I'm being real, because Timo Warner hasn't even done his part under Frank Lampard, who's supposed to be the guy who can get the best out of him. That's the reason why they signed him. And you can go down that route, all the people. But also, I'm going to give Tuchel this game because, I mean, in 24 hours, he had his first his first training session. And then right after that, it was his first match. So I think that's a big ask for uh, – a new manager in that spot. So again, I'm not a big fan of the Tuchel hiring. I'm not going to go into that since we're going to talk about that next. But uh, when you look at the game, 
I'm not I'm not necessarily too concerned about the result on Chelsea because like you said, there's a lot of pieces that he didn't put in play. That was his choice. But I mean, even to get a draw against Wolverhampton, who I think should have taken that game, I don't think people are talking about that enough. When you have a new manager who's barely in, you gotta take advantage of that and win that game. So I think it's disappointing also on Wolverhampton's part, at least in my eyes. Yeah, those are all fair arguments. I mean, again, that wolves serve not they have real they have not really been able to to get off to serve the start that they had envisioned. And uh, again, this is a Wolves team that many projected to be serving that top eight, serve, you know, top seven range in the, in the premier league. And uh, you know, currently they're standing 13th in the, in the table with six wins, five draws and nine losses. So um, again, this is a team that is still sort of feeling the, the impact without having uh, they're having, having their star striker, uh, Rawl in the lineup uh, because he's still been recovering from the, the sort of that traumatic head injury. So um, it's going to be something to see as far as, as far as Chelsea and how they do against Tuchel. And then, I mean, even Wolves as well. Can't that, I mean, that's sort of the question too. Can Wolves, Wolves has to operate without their star player and they clearly are missing him and they're really feeling the, the absence of, of Rawl. So I think those will be things to look out for as the season continues as we enter the second half. But let, let's move on here to our big storylines. And we just sort of touched upon it. Of course, that's Thomas Tuchel, um, you know, becoming the new manager of Chelsea's and which was such a quick turnaround because the guy that got sacked was Frank Lampard and Frank Lampard departing. Um, and it, it seemed like it was such a pr- relatively short tenure um, for him, but I mean, gentlemen, we, we had talked about this a little bit last week, and I think both of you sort of thought it was a little bit early, uh, quite an overreaction. So uh, I'm going to start here with uh, Edwin Perez. But um, but what 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 do you make of Frank Lampard? Uh, just just Lampard. We'll not we'll talk about Tuchel in a sec, but just Lampard being sacked was it the right move? Uh, Tuchel's garbage. I'm just kidding. I don't know if you wanted me to talk about Frank Lampard first. I said, uh, I, I think I'm going to repeat the same message I did last week is that it was too early. Yes, he's not the best of manager, but I think this year he gets enough results. Yes, it's a lot of losses right now, but I think he could have, they, they would have eventually picked up their form because they're, they're, they're good. And I mean, they have, they have the players to kind of pick themselves up. So I think in that side, they should have at least kept him under the year. Thank him for not getting relegated, but and then also say uh, you just didn't do good enough. Sack him and go get that Leipzig manage, manager that I've been telling them that they should go get instead of getting this other manager. But again, I'm not going to mention his name because, you know, I'm, uh, Gary Kwok put a regulation to talk about him next. So, uh, but again, wrong decision in my eyes, but uh, I'm going to hand it off to a uh, Man United expert. Uh, Miller, how do you feel about Frank Lampard? You know, a, a big rival of yours. How do you feel about them dismissing him? Well, first off, I got to say that I respect the man. But the the thing that I want to say is I saw a comparison on social media of Lampard's first 19 games compared to uh, Solskjaer's first 19 games with United. And both had similar points around, I think, you know, mid-20s somewhere. And, and the thing was, is that... At this time last year, when Ole took over for United, the thing was for him, he was playing with, you know, players that he inherited on his own. Whereas, you know, Lampard went out and bought these players and, 
you know, clearly they're not working together. They don't fit well together. Who knows what kind of system they're going to continue to run because it's been so hard this year. And I think that at the end of the day, this really is Lampard's own fault. It's his own demise. He's the one that should have had the plan to put this together in the beginning and it hasn't gone well. So I think that they have a right to take him out. But do you, I mean, do you think though that yes, there was it just, I mean, it just feels like, I think though, that, Yes, he bought these new players, but you think the 20 games was just a, enough of a sample size to say, hey, uh, we're going to we're going to you know, we're going to cut you. We're going to let you go. Or you think that you maybe get at least a full season to sort of figure it out, given sort of the, the times right now and just how, you know, things are completely different with COVID, of course. But I mean, is 20 games enough sample size or is that just or you think it's too short? I, I totally get your point and it's a great one, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, Chelsea is one of those clubs, like you guys mentioned that wants to be in the top four every season. They, you know, anything outside of the top six is unacceptable and, you know, they have the payroll, they have the players and they have the influence to be wherever they want to be. And at the end of the day, yeah, I think 20 games is absolutely enough to be able to say, this is a good sample size for us to know what's going to happen because, no one can look at me and honestly say that they watched Chelsea in one of these first 20 games that's happened and told me that they saw Chelsea play at their best. I, I haven't seen a single game this season where I'm like, wow, Chelsea really have some potential to win these games and score convincingly. And, you know, they can be a contender for the title, even top four. I, I don't think that they have anything put together right now. So I think after you see half a season of that, where there's basically a low ceiling and a bottomless pit, um, on the other side of the coin, I just don't think that they should have continued with that if they don't see the potential to go up. No, I I, I agree with that, and, I, and I'm all for it. But the, the thing is, the day they sacked Lampard, they hired Tuchel. I mean, it's just – it's ridiculous to me that this is the manager they wanted, that they couldn't wait any other second. And you're paying Frank basically also money for this rest of the season because, I mean, he already started. They got to pay him. So you're basically putting your book on two managers right now. A manager who hasn't even proved himself in PSG. I mean, he won the he won the Farmers League, but I mean, Miller, you and I could have gone gone coach that team, and we probably had the same result with talents like Neymar and Mape in there. All we have to do is let them do their thing. We just step out of our way, and they'll get the result. So a man that type of manager is the one you really wanted. is is crazy to me, but again. I agree with Miller. The expectations are high, especially in Premier League. It's a very cutthroat thing where if Pep Guardiola lost five games the same the way that Frank Lampard did, I think it would also be the same result. And I think um, Jurgen Klopp might get away with it because he's won the league and he's on his way with and injuries and all that. But uh, it's a very cutthroat thing, so it, it is tough. But I, I'm completely against the sacking, at least in my eyes. And it leads me to a, a follow-up question because you, you touched upon it here, Edwin, but, you know, Tuchel coming in and you, you mentioned that he had like a, he had a, a star studded lineup already at PSG. I mean, he didn't have to do too much with it. Now here he's got to work some things out. So, I mean, what, what, what do you think uh, is going to be his mentality when it comes to putting together these types of players and, how he might use some guys here and maybe some guys not here. Um, what's what sort of how Tuchel will, will sort of operate this roster and manage it? 
He's going to call Killian Mappe and Neymar and say, how are you guys that good? And how can I get Timo even at that level for me to keep my job for long enough? Like, I mean, the man truly has to develop talent now. That's, uh, that's something that, no offense to him. I'm not saying he's a terrible manager. He's doing something that I wish I could do. But at the same time, he has to actually develop people. He actually has to play with down stars. And he has to develop these people that haven't shown up. Look at Timo Warner's stats. It's probably it's probably his worst season in the last what six or seven years something like that so now he has to get that guy out of the mud get a lot of these stars who were supposed to be huge signings that are supposed to be uh getting them to the top three into talent i mean at the worst psg was carried by neymar and mape and when they were playing bad they were playing bad and tuchel did nothing about the other players but when they were doing their best tuchel was getting results and there's no coincidence to that so you're, you're telling me that same manager is going to develop into an amazing manager for years to come that's going to win leagues? I just don't see it, at least in my uh, – the way the way I'm looking at it, I just don't see it. Yeah, and I, I think, to be honest, like kind of tacking on to what Edwin said, I think the biggest thing that we've kind of, you know, jumped around as we've talked about this is fit. You know, at the end of the day, who fits with who? How do they fit? Because there's tons of examples – of what we're talking about of, you know, moving to the premier league can make or break you as a player, as a manager, as, as anything. And there's certain clubs, the big, you know, traditional six in the premier league that it, it's definitely harder to play at those clubs because the pressure is just so intense. There's so many other players that are there fighting for the same spot. Whereas, you know, if you move to a team, for example, Sheffield United, it's not going to be as hard because no one expects anything out of you and you don't really have to fight a whole lot with people coming up under you. But, I mean, you, you can look at managers that have come in and not done well. I, I mean, you can look at players. But it, it's just the thing is none of these people fit with Chelsea. You, you can look at the players that they've had in the past and you can look at the managers they've had in the past and everything that they have right now just doesn't model the same way that they have it now. And I think that Tuchel's one of those guys where, like Edwin said, he just slotted into the best farmers league team um, that already has the potential of being a top team in champions league, no matter who the manager is, whether it's me or Edwin or some guy in Phoenix living on the street. I don't, I just don't think that it's that hard to figure out over there, but when you get to the premier league, it's a lot more tactical, considerations and time management and all these kind of things and you have to know how to play it's a lot tougher it's a lot more demanding so i think that that's something that people have to either you know come to grips with or it's just going to consume all together and that's going to be it so i i think now i think i think honestly in the end of the day i don't think tuchel is going to work out because like Edwin said, he's going to have to be able to kind of grow talent and kind of fit pieces together where he's never really had to do that to be successful. And my interesting thing to end this point off with is that I think Lampard will get another shot in the league with, with a different team. That's a, that's a pretty, I think, a realistic prediction that could happen. Um, but I think it leads me to another follow-up question because – you know, you guys talked about Tuchel, maybe not the best hire, and it's definitely quite a gamble to have to go from Lampard to, to a guy in less than 24 hours that 
you know, just that got sacked from PSG. So is this a temporary fit that you see here um, compared to a long-term fit? And maybe how long are you giving him until you might, um, how, how long are you giving him till? I see this thing kind of like a Kike Setien kind of hiring where Kike was successful at his previous team. But I mean, look at the team that he coached. It was a Spanish team in the second, I think it was in the second division, if I'm not wrong. And yes, I mean, it is competitive and all that, but it's not, it's not coaching a team like Barcelona that there was problems I used to fix against like Tuchel. So I think I give them, they're going to give him this time. They're going to evaluate how he can fix it and hopefully do well. He's, they're going to allow him to sign people, which is a huge point. He uh, Tuchel coached a team that had oil money to spend in PSG. They had all the, all the pennies in the world to buy anyone. Now he's going to a Chelsea team who probably can't afford too much this window, this upcoming summer window because they spent so much this last window for the previous boss. So he's going to have to deal with the lower budget so develop their, his own players and things like that. So I give it a, a year. I give it a year realistically, maybe maybe a year and a half so they can hire someone in, uh, in the summer when you should be hiring managers because the successful managers are not going to go until the summer window. But again, I give it a year, year and a half tops, uh, but they're, they're going to at least give him that summer, uh, summer window. I, I think that Edwin brought up a good comparison I think it's also a lot like the Unai Emery situation at Arsenal um, when he came to be a manager there and, you know, they inherit a lot of players and you, you kind of want him to work out on the back legs of the guy that you just fired. Um, so obviously Lampard was going to be here to hopefully stay for a while if he was successful, but he's not. So now they're probably going to give another big name guy that's just come from PSG um, with all the success, they're probably going to try to give him the same sort of treatment. And I think, honestly, it kind of depends on how he finishes this season, because I think if it's worse or the same, then he might as well be gone, too, in the summer. Who knows? It's uh, I think it's the Chelsea saga just continues with uh, with with sort of the events that have happened the last couple of days. And I think it is going to be some juicy stuff as we sort of enter this second half here. Uh, lots of lots of different storylines, lots of players that, uh, that especially don't work out. Just, just one more, one more as we go before we move on. Just who, who on the who had those uh, new signings this past off season? You think has been the biggest disappointment? Timo, I just think if you look at what the player Timo was, and you see now the stats. I saw a graphic the other day. It's just depressing. I mean, the man just can't score anything. It's it's truly sad. It's like Garrett Kwok on an intramural soccer team. I mean, Excuse I me, mean, in that, that Garrett Kwok on a soccer team might be more effective up front than Timo Werner right now, which is huge to say from the quality that he was at Leipzig. So I'm going to have to say Timo. I think that's a good point. Uh, I think that it's hard to kind of pick another player, but I will pick another player. Um I, I think that the most disappointing one would probably be Havertz because he is so young and similarly to Timo, he was on a smaller team in Germany where he could succeed and not a whole lot of what was expected out of these two players to begin with. He was bought for a big price tag. And at the end of the day, he might be the one whose talent is wasted the most because, you know, he's fixing to become 
uh, he's far from his prime. So he has a lot of time to really grow into the kind of player that he's going to be a player that's similar to one that's already there in Mason Mount. So I think that it's going to be an interesting race to see who grows more between the two of them. But right now, I definitely think that Havertz is getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, he's uh, those those both of those guys had a lot of uh, a lot of hype around them. They were both uh, you know supposed to do a lot offensively, but for Timo, it's been you know just he, I, I, you got the stats here. Only four goals right now in um, in Premier League um, out of nineteen appearances. I mean that that's just not going to get it done for a guy that they they spent a lot of money for and they were really actively searching. So um, that 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 is uh, sort of the the scene there. At, over at Stanford bridge, but, um, and, and to your point, Edwin, when you, you're calling out my soccer game here, Miller, come on, man, you gotta, you gotta back me up here. I played some decent defense at the very least, even though I, I didn't have my cleats, it was a muddy field. You know, we, 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 our offense was a little slow, but I, I played a little decent defense here. You can back me up on this. Will you? Yeah. Yeah. We, we had some bright spots on that team for sure on a very dull team, but, uh, I, I'd say that, you know, Gareth is, is one of those guys that you know has he's the next supreme leader like i just have to say it he's the next supreme leader he he can lead a nation he he can talk with the best of them and you know he does some of the best work i've ever seen but at the end of the day we just we we might not be staying on the soccer pitch with your talents gareth that's fair that that team we had i think four games and uh I don't, I don't think we won one game. We may have scored one goal in four games. Um, just yep. the, the, the talent's not there. We had the Miller had to serve carry us literally on his back. I'm, I'm sure he's, he has uh, some back issues at this point, but, uh, but let's, let's move on here. We got another storyline that happened this past week and it was Latsan Ibrahimovic and Romelu Lukaku getting into a little bit of a, a spat here in the Copa Italia quarterfinal. Uh, it was, you know, just from seeing the the replay and it was quite, it wasn't just a simple, you know, 10 or 15 second, you know, you know, a little argument. It was, it went on for quite some time, at least 10 or 10 or so minutes of them just jawing back and forth. They were, they kept talking when they were going into the halftime tunnel. Uh, this was Inter Milan though, that won the, the Milan Derby to the one in the Copa Italia quarterfinal. But I think gentlemen, this is sort of an interesting argument because it, both of these guys, they're big dudes. They're, they're, they're physical. You know, they, 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 they speak their mind, but you know what, did they, did they both cross the line here in regards to just them going back and forth? I think they're trying to decide who was better at Man United. Uh, I mean, some, <laughs> they were going back and forth and you know, kind of talking about it. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Miller can answer that question. Uh, I know who I'd pick, but uh, yeah, I mean, you do like to see that though sometimes where, those, those type of, you know, matches where they're kind of getting going, chirping at each other and doing things like that is it, interesting to see because that means it's like the rivalry. That's what builds it up. That's what it, it, the old football used to be where guys were going into it. We used to saw we we used to see the Suarez biting people kind of air. We're kind of moved away from that a, a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, yes, I mean, they did cross the lines as they, they did have the little you know, spackle and things like that. But again, I, I truly think uh, it was a uh, Man United, uh, the Man United former teammates trying to decide who was better over there. So uh, Miller, uh, let me know uh, which one, which one of those two would you want uh, back right now? I'd take Zlatan back in a heartbeat. Um, especially if he shaved his head. 
but <laughs> I, I, I would say um, to kind of, you know, lift your point up a little bit, Edwin, I, I think that you're right. And I, I love that this is a headline. I love that we're talking about this because, you know, a lot of people are saying that sports are getting soft and both of these two guys are just prime athletes, just huge human beings, um, really good at what they do. And they're on teams that are also just huge teams, huge heavyweight battle here. And I, I loved every minute of it because I also had a bet on this game, a huge bet. Uh, we picked Inter Milan money line, and that was looking pretty bad in the first half. But the 10 minutes of added time that they had at the end of the game was so huge. But uh, I digress. I, I think that, you know, players getting into scuffles like these is what makes the game interesting. It's what gives the game personality because the only other time that you see personality is when the, it is when the ball is dead. Uh, when you see people walking onto the field, walking off the field, you know, doing celebrations after goals, after whistles and things like that. So I think, I think it's cool to see people during the middle of the game get, you know, get fired up, get emotional, especially two guys that, you know, played on the same team that are now going against each other in a huge game. I, I just think that it's a cool storyline and it's a cool way to see it. So I'm not really mad at it. I just think that makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, I I think from from watching that the replay and them arguing and I mean you, you like that competitive spirit you, you know they're two rivals as you mentioned in the derby I mean Copa Italia both teams trying to get a trophy I mean it's a quarterfinal matchup you can understand the sort of the intensity behind it uh, there were you know rumors out there that Lukaku said some said some foul language he was attacking Zlatan's wife and they're going back and forth there um, but in the end it sort of hurt Zlatan the most because he, he ended up getting sent off in that game in the 58th minute and um, I think you know that may have been sort of a sort of a little bit of karma there I don't know how you would make of it but did you see, and then there were rumors that Zlatan, he apologized to his teammates for being sent off. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I just want to get your guys thoughts, but I feel like there's just a bit of a fine line between yes, you know, getting a little heated, getting into a scuffle there, but then also we got to be mindful of the situation because there, because Zlatan ended up getting sent off. Then uh, I should say AC Milan kind of was left shorthanded. So that, that might not have been worth it at the end there. I mean, are you telling me that the uh, usual talk about our talk about our wives that we do before the show is uh, crossing the line, or uh, is that something that is normal? Uh, I, what? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, you said he crossed the line because talk about our wives, and you know, all of us got our wives. You know, <laughs> beyond uh, we we wish, but that's <laughs> um, not, not the case. We're no. still a little early in our lives for that yet. <laughs> uh you know what what happens before uh, the segment pitch you know stays with us but uh it, from this kind of uh perspective did they kind of cross the line with what they said yeah, i mean yes you shouldn't have been talking about the wife but i think at the same time when you're when you're facing off someone that you're trying to piss off you're gonna try to cross any line i mean we've seen that in the ufc and wwe i'm not saying it, it's it's worth it and they should do that but I'm just saying that, that that kind of speech is going to happen, and it's better than the racist remarks that we were kind of used to, the players saying and things like that. So uh, if I'm going to take why for the racist remarks, I would, I would uh, again, none should be said, 
<laughs> not not at all. But if it, the but we're taking marks, the wives. Yeah, exactly. We're taking the wives any day before those racist remarks that's been said. So in that aspect, but uh, it, yes, Zlatan need to apologize because it's such a big game, and you're you're that guy who's scoring goals for them. So it, it, he did in that sense. He he let them down. But again, when when someone calls you out like that, especially someone that. You love him. You're going to step up and do anything for them. So, again, you can't blame the guy for trying to react the way he did. Miller, at the end of the game there, though, I'll, I'll briefly get your get Miller's thoughts here on the game. And, you know, you, you, you said you had the bet on it, and there's Christian Eriksen there who I who had the, the, the go-ahead goal there. I mean, Inter Milan, they got their, they got their pieces there, and that was a big game for them to, to take down the, the best team right now in Serie A, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this was uh, a kind of a showcase game to show where both of these teams are at now um, compared to where they were at last year. Because last year, you know, AC Milan was in the middle of the table at this point in the season. Inter Milan was doing pretty well for themselves, but they still had a lot of question marks. They still do have a lot of question marks with a lot of their personnel, but it's nice to see some of the additions stepping up especially Erickson hitting the free kick to uh, gain the lead and basically win the game. But uh, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's what everybody wants to see in sports. It's, it's the, you know, the big players, the big plays. And I think that, you know, if Zlatan hadn't come out, then I think AC Milan would have definitely won that game. That was a, a, a very nice free kick from Erickson indeed to in the as you said, there are ten minutes of stoppage time. So he scored in the ninety-seventh, uh deep, deep into the match, uh, to get the victory for Inter Milan. Uh let's now go here to one of our final storylines, and it's one that's right here in the USA, the good old major league soccer, um, the MLS as uh, as we like to call it, but the MLS may go into a lockout, and that's because their collective bargaining agreement uh, is about to expire. And uh, if, if you know both sides between the league and the Players Association, they can't come to an agreement, the league is threatening to lock the players out. And this would be the first lockout in league history, and I believe uh, there have been reports that the MLS have, has informed teams uh, to prepare for a lockout. And so it is looking like, there may be no MLS for the foreseeable future until they try and sort out the deal. So, gentlemen, um, again, never this has never happened before. Um, what is the impact this lockout has on on the league and and just on the, the on the players as well? I, mean, I think this is tough, especially in MLS that kind of was looking good. You know, they they were doing with the bubble, they they pull that off and things like that. They had a successful season they had a good image in themselves finally pushing to try to be more serious they faced the tigres and and you know they had the great messages about diversity and all that like everything was going well for them but then to get to maybe nearing a lockout would be such a tragic impact on the league you know they had all that momentum like i said they were doing the right things the right messages and conveying everything that they need to as the mls and yet now we're heading into what could be a lockout and then people are going to take it as a joke. Now they're going to lose any momentum they had. People were starting to respect what they were going for and everything. So it's truly, it's tragic to see on that end and on players wise. I mean, it's something that 
you want to play. I mean, all those players are going to want to play and make their money and things like that. So that's a huge impact on them not being able to see the field. And it's kind of that, you know, that distraction away from the real life for them. Because, I mean, you know, we're still in coronavirus, we're still in a pandemic and things like that. The players want to play and, and there's an audience for it now that, you know, we're all stuck in. So things like that would be very tragic for the league. I think it'd be something that they'll need, they'll need to recover from if they do ahead in the lockout. But again, you know, leagues leagues typically do bounce back. We've seen that in other leagues, not not here in the MLS. So it'd be it would be an interesting time that you know, uh to kind of wrap it up. The negatives are definitely there, but I think that the other side of the coin is the positives from this. And I think that the biggest positive you could take out of this is that this league is growing. Mm. I think that, you know, you can look at another league that's also growing that had some issues over the past year or two, which was the WNBA had some issues similar to this as well. And, you know, that's a, arguably growing league so i i think that you know the thing is is the more popular they become the more things that are going to have to change and uh obviously it's at, at the end of the day it's for improvement it's it's so the league can get better so i i think that you know obviously it's a negative and we'll probably be without it until you know for some time until however long it takes for them to agree on what they want to agree on but i think that at the end of the day that this was going to have to come up if things were going to grow and, and get better and more, more kind of rules and, and kind of agreements were going to come to fruition. So I think that this can be looked at either way. And I, I think that honestly, it's probably for the better because if they didn't get it set now, then they would have had to risk, you know, losing all this time, trying to do it later on when they were probably at a worse position. So it's probably better that it goes ahead and happens now. Um, and the other thing that I think is going to be interesting is this time will give a lot of the people around and in the MLS to think about what the future is going to hold and how they want to market it and how they're going to push things forward with the players and likenesses and everything like that. So I think that, it's good now, especially in COVID times. I think that this is a perfect downtime to have when you can't have too many fans at the stadiums anyways. You can kind of maximize the downtime with, you know, what you need to get done. So they, that way that when they start back up, they can kind of get off on the right foot. Well, the season is supposed to start on, on April 3rd. Um, and, and again, this sort of work stoppage, uh, it would be the first in league history. You can make of uh, what you will there, but again, uh, you got, you got some new things sort of to look out for Austin FC being one of the, the new teams in the MLS. They've, they've been releasing some, some promotional, promotional things out there, New Jersey, they got some alternatives in there. Uh, so there are some things to look out for when they can sort things out, but you know, it's just sort of a follow-up for you gentlemen. If once they figure out this deal here and once they can sort of resume back into play, I mean, what, what do you think the MLS and maybe the players have to focus on in order to, to bring back maybe some, some exposure, bring some, some popularity into this, uh, to this country? I mean, uh, the, th the one thing I'll give credit to them is a lot of these players are finally getting recognized, a big part due to Alfonso Davies. But a big part is that a lot of these players are finally being looked at by teams like Roma and Barcelona and things like in Bayern Munich because there was, another, there was a recent signing uh, made by Roma 
for a MLS player, uh, seven million. So they're they're starting to get to where they should be, where uh, these European teams are looking to buy these MLS, so those players can kind of grow and it's kind of being a developer because you're not going to be the one who has the best talent and that's not going to be it for the case for years maybe uh, or ever but if you're if you're that league that's known for kind of developing those type of talents and gaining money and things like that I think a lot of these teams would would take that so they do still need to increase as they still need to grow like Miller says but I think that that's going to do, be slowly and just doing the right things and and messages what are those things specifically i think it's just you know not being the retirement league and if you are going to bring those like old players make sure it's the top top players don't make it just a league where you're feeding or feeding the old and letting them take over but also invest in the youth and in that kind of message so those young players need to be making the big statements in my opinion more than the big stars like bella to continue this development absolutely and i i think that a big piece of what's happening now is also going to affect the biggest plan for the near future, which is the world cup, obviously in 2026. I think that, you know, the MLS needs to be seen as a league with respectable players with, you know, respectable uh, kind of, you know, just uh, the, uh, a league, the way that it should run um, when we're going to host, you know, arguably the biggest tournament the world has uh, for you know, organized sports like this every four years. So I think that, you know, when when the World Cup does come here, I think that the MLS needs to be, like Edwin said, you know, have the players that are going to, you know, be able to be sponsored when we have all these people here and we're hosting everything. And I, I think that that kind of needs to be the plan of what they're moving towards. Miller, have you seen the new Austin FC uh, jerseys that they've released? I have. What's uh, What's your opinion on them? Could be better. Could be worse. <laughs> I like that quick turn by you, bud. It, it, uh, for for those uh, uh, that are listening, it's a it's basically they got they got a little stripes with it. The green and black. The green and black is their signature colors, and they they got a you know sort of like the vertical stripes. This one of their signature home uniforms, and and then they released out a sort of a, an alternative. They call it the Legends jersey which is all white and they got a little sort of green piping on them too. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're trying to make a brand for themselves. You know, you got the, you got the bandwagon fans. They're going to be like, Oh, I'm Austin FC, you know, all day, day one fan, you know, uh, DTP, we're going to be uh, Austin uh, FC fans uh, since day one. Right yeah, boys. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Mm. But the big question, Miller, I'll ask you this. Uh, you, you don't ask him if he likes it, ask him how much he's willing to spend on it. Cause I, like that, that will tell you how, how much he really likes that jersey. So, how much are you willing to drop on that Austin FC jersey? Not the price of a Premier League jersey. I'll say that. Okay, but what about like, let's say, let's say I'm offering it to you for sixty dollars. I'd do that. Okay. Well, yeah, I do. I do that. What? What? Where's the limit? What if? What if? What if a okay. hundred? You know, it's not because I mean, a hundred's too much. <laughs> I, I'd say about 80, 80, 70 to eighty might be my limit. So that that's the quality. We're we're gonna be the we're gonna be the we're all gonna be repping our eighty dollar Austin FC jerseys so it can be the day one Austin FC FC. No, everyone's gonna go get his twenty dollar DH Gate jersey. Hey, hey, what what happens behind the scenes is what happens behind the scenes. I enjoy, enjoy my good jerseys at the right price. 
Where's that money going toward, Listen, man? That's that's something that happens behind the scenes. What did I say earlier? <laughs> what happened before the show happens before the show? Uh, okay, all right. You know that, that you know that's another conversation for another time. Of course, we we we, we always do. Uh, but we we're sort of towards the end of our show here, and uh, you know it's it's time for our picks, and uh, you know we love to have. One man go and give his picks, and they're they're very serious. And then another man goes on our show, and, and, they're, and they're not no, so I'm serious. Cutting off, man. So, I'm cutting you, know, you off. Listen here. I <laughs> Look at the record of last time, 1-1, one 0-2. One, oh All I'm saying is I'm not taking that. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? Am uh, I wrong? Who got the more wins? Who, if you spent money on my picks last year, I mean, on this last week, you would have made more money than Miller. So get at that's yeah. all I'm saying. All right, come on. That's all I'm gonna. Miller McHaney. <laughs> we got cold hard picks <laughs> for this week. Unfortunately, you were 0 for two with Southampton losing to Arsenal and uh, Chelsea Wolves in a draw. Uh, you you also put Tottenham Liverpool, but uh, that th- that game hasn't. Uh, again, we're recording this on the Wednesday. That game hasn't been played yet. So um, you know, uh, what do you got for us this week, man? You know, when you lose a couple games and adversity hits you, what do you do? You come back and you throw a Hail Mary. So that's what we're going to do this week. Um, we're we're going to take a little bit more of the Edwin conventional style, just kind of just huck the ball up there and hope it goes in. Um, not actually. But I, I've got some games picked out for uh, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday in particular, and some of these are a little bit more personal hopes, and some of these are a little bit more calculated risks, so it depends on what you would like to take, but the first game that I want to talk about is Manchester City at home hosting Sheffield United on Saturday, and I'd like to take a draw in that game. I think that Sheffield really has come up with something, and I think that Man City are going to be lax. They're going to say, oh, this is, you know, the worst team in the league. And, and they're going to let happen to them what, what happened to United on Wednesday. So I think that uh, this is going to be a close game and both teams are in good form. So I think it should be an interesting one. Um, but moving on to the next game, I have on Sunday morning, West Ham hosting Liverpool. And I'm taking West Ham. West Ham <laughs> over Liverpool. I think that Liverpool are going to try very hard this Thursday in the Tottenham game in a game that I think, you know, is going to be very dramatic between Jose and Jurgen as they've already kind of had their spat this week um, since the last game. So, you know, the best team will win the game this time. And, and I'm, I'm saying that West Ham – this weekend is going to take advantage of a tired Liverpool and they're really, really good for him on the back of Thomas Suchek. What a man. I think that West Ham is going to bring it home this weekend, but last game just to kind of rip off the bandaid and end it Southampton versus Aston Villa Saturday afternoon. I'm taking Southampton at home to beat Aston Villa. I, I bet on Aston Villa this week. Um, against Burnley, and obviously they didn't have enough legs to cover what I wanted them to do. So I'm going to take Southampton, who's been in decent form in the last five, and Aston Villa have lost four of their last five. So we're taking Southampton this weekend as well. Well, Here's the thing, Miller. You said you were going to pull the me. Uh, There's an issue. You didn't pull the me, so I'm going to have to – you want to pull the me, pull out your notebook and take notes of how I make the picks. Oh, no. 
Again, ladies and gentlemen, Garrett Kwok is writing them down. So it's a little bit of uh, me hoping some of them win and also making a hard time for my boy Garrett Kwok. Saturday, 3.15 a.m. That's right. Wake up at 2 a.m. You know, maybe make yourself a cup of tea, uh, whatever you're into, maybe some coffee, and wake up at uh, – put your bet. Make sure you have your ESPN Plus subscription because Brisbane Roar is facing Adelaide United, and I got Brisbane Roar with the big win. I mean, just, just a great name, the Roar. I mean, two wins in their last five and a draw. I think they're in a better form than uh, – uh, Adelaide, personally speaking, so I'm, I'm gonna definitely take Brisbane Roar in that pick. Uh, Get out of here, Australian league expert. Get out of here. I, I'm, I'm definitely that now, so I, I gotta, I gotta roll with them again. Saturday, Saturday, you, you, you know, take a quick nap. You know, I re- recommend a nap between games. Uh, but you gotta wake up by eight, eight thirty. You know, maybe go to McDonald's, get you an egg McMuffin after your win, and you're gonna go to, uh. uh a league where I don't know if you're going to be able to watch it because it's not on ESPN plus, but it's the Austrian Bundesliga. And looking at this team, I mean, SK storm grass, I think is going to get the win over SC Ryan Horp. I'll touch, you know, I think it's truly going to be a, a amazing game on this, on this Saturday. Again, it's, you're going to have to eat your egg McMuffin between them. Um, I definitely recommend it. You're going to be winning a lot of money. You know, you can go the Miller route, but, um, you got to be entertaining, so you got to go my route. But then, you know, as you as you're finishing that game, you know, you you definitely want your money, but it's still going on. I recommend getting a second TV screen, you know, maybe an iPad or a laptop, and pull another league up again. How you're gonna watch it? Don't ask me. But at 10:30 a.m., uh, you're gonna have pa- Panathinaikos playing La- Lamia in the Greek Super League. Again, it's I do recommend your good old. Uh, Egg McMuffin, a good rest uh, as much as you can. And after that, you know, you can sleep knowing that you're a winner. You know, it's like the sock game. You, you won a lot of money, so that day is just going to be that much better. You're not going to be as tired. So what a day of football. Wow, those were some, those were some exhilarating picks from our, our one and only uh, Edwin Perez. You said Panthenaikos, I can't even say it, Panthenaikos FC. Over uh, La, La Mia, you said? It's the Saturday 10.30 a.m. game for Panathakos. Uh, I just got off the page, so you're going to have to find that yourself. Uh, but, yes, uh, it's the 10.30 matchup in, in the Greek Super League, Panathakos versus La Mia. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Well, you know what? You, you, I, will, I will give you the PEC Swool game that you had over Willem that last week. That was impressive. Tapatio over Mineros. That was a close game too. Um, you know, Another so game didn't happen. But um, let, let's look at it this way. You know, someone went zero and two, and someone went one and one. I'm not going to point fingers here, but uh, <laughs> if you went Miller's picks, uh, let's just say you might be broke. If you did my my picks, you might be going to long longs and getting 72 wings right now. <laughs> I think the the next step is that we have to actually get Miller to spend actual money on your picks, Edwin. That would be the next step. You see, Miller, if you want to, I'll wake up at those times with you. We'll go get a, we'll pick up an egg McMuffin between the 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. slot of games I left us, and we'll, we'll get a good power nap here and there. So I'm definitely <laughs> down. How are we, how are we going to watch him, Edwin? Uh, we're going to have to. <laughs> I heard you have 
your your Kamavinga's homie, so I feel like he's got connections over there in those leagues. So yeah, we'll, we've we'll got the wiretaps. We're yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> We're set, dude. We're set. We got they got their sources. <laughs> they got their sources. Oh boy! All right, we are just about done here on DTP. Final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap things up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have two things. First, don't don't do any remarks of any kind like Slaton again. Um, you gotta be, you gotta be smart. You can't be doing dumb things like that. Ladies and gentlemen, be smart with your remarks. Like I said, don't say anything of that, uh, kind of nature. And also do not shave your head to, uh, look like Miller. Cause again, I love you, Miller. You know, I, it's not, it's not, a, it's not the worst haircut I've seen, but, uh, I do like you with your hair. So I'm, I'm excited to see the progression of your hair coming back, but, uh, don't cut your hair. I think that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me um but uh my last thing edwin i'll make you a deal okay i'm I'm listening if you go three for three on your picks this weekend all right all right i'm all in i'll shave my head (laughs) Ooh. okay (laughs) okay okay that that sounds like a (laughs) it looks like i already won because you already pre-shaved it so i'm I'm I'll, i'll shave it again though Okay, sounds good. So, ladies and There's gentlemen, there's not much there, but just just the fine tuning. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. If I get three for three, there's gonna even be more of a shave. I apologize, Mrs. McKinney, and anyone I was not a fan of the shave, but uh, again, he made the deal, not me. Uh, shout out to the Christy out there for bearing with uh, her son through these times right now. Um, oh, if we get if it is a three for three, I, I suggest that we do it live on the show um you know get 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 that we'll, we'll, we'll grab we'll grab t leaf we'll grab gp two three three two and uh we'll, we'll we'll make it happen we'll make it happen but um <laughs> that is gonna do it for this episode of dissecting the pitch thank you guys for tuning in make sure you follow us on twitter at dissect the pitch and of course follow us on spotify follow us on apple Podcasts. we're on those platforms indeed uh but that's gonna do it for myself and for my co-hosts, Evan Perez and Miller McKinney, Gareth Kwok saying so long. We will see you all next time. See you guys next week.